Welcome back, Statesman viewers, to episode three of this school year's Statesman Sports Spotlight. Today, I've brought you someone who I've only spoken to once, but I think she may be one of my favorite interviews, so this platform is a perfect fit for her. She's the head coach of the Stony Brook women's volleyball team, Kristen Belzung. Coach, how are you today? Hey, good to see you. Happy to be here. Of course. Well, I thank you for taking the time out of your day to do this. I don't think anybody wants to start their day by doing media. So, you know, you get some extra favoritism points for, for doing me this favor. So, Coach, let's get to know you a little bit better first. Um, I know that you're an Iowa girl through and through. Raised in Ankeny, Iowa, you were inducted into the Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union Volleyball Hall of Fame. You wound up getting your bachelor's degree at the University of Northern Iowa, where you were a four-year starter on the volleyball team. So obviously, Iowa is home to you, right? How important was it in making you the person you are today? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a Midwesterner. I think um, you grow up in the Midwest and you have this uh, like hardworking mentality and nothing's kind of given to you. And that's just like what you're born and raised with. Um you know, that said, as many places I've moved across the country, I think I've been shaped by all of those places, not just from that, like growing up experience. I can say that I've had wonderful coaches and mentors in my life. And a lot of those come from Iowa, but a lot of those come from all over the country as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you're definitely well-traveled, which we'll, we'll wind up touching up on a little bit later. Um, but I've always loved the local product angle. You know, obviously with us, uh, with the statesmen, uh, whenever we do a story running the local product angle, that's always referring to a Long Islander who has become a seawolf. But obviously, this is a little bit different. So what was it like being able to, you know, play in state and represent your home at the Division One level of volleyball? Yeah, I think, honestly, I never thought I would stay close to home for college. I kind of looked elsewhere um, and getting the opportunity to play at Northern Iowa was as much um, wanting to be close so that I could see my family and they could come see me play and, and feeling like I found the the most competitive program. And I was so fortunate that I got to play for a coach who, um, I don't know, cared about me as a human, as much as she cared about me as a, as an athlete. And, um, to be honest with you, like those four or five years of college were really like formative and in, in terms of the human that I am. And my coach had such a massive impact on my life that I wanted to make sure that, um, I kind of paid that forward a little bit, like coaching volleyball, obviously you love volleyball, but coaching was something that I felt like I was called to do because of the impact that my coach made on my life. Yeah, absolutely. So UNI is about two hours north of where you grew up in Ankeny. So, you know, obviously you've had to live away from home those four years. Um, however, you didn't truly leave home. You didn't leave your home state until you decided to go to grad school and get a master's degree at the University of South Carolina. So what was that experience like for you finally having to, you know, leave home and be far away from your family? Yeah, it was good, actually. I think um, the interesting thing about that to me was I when I went off to go get my master's, I got an opportunity to be a grad assistant for the volleyball program at South Carolina, but I really wasn't sure that I wanted to be on the coaching side at that stage of my journey. Um, so I actually started my master's in epidemiology there and um, wanted to get a feel <laughs> for whether or not I enjoyed volleyball from the coaching aspect or just from the playing aspect before I went two feet <laughs> into it. Um, fortunately after my first year, I switched and, um, went into sport and entertainment management, knowing that coaching was what I wanted it to be on the other side of it too. 
Right. Okay. That makes sense. So that also answers the next question. Cause I was going to say like sports and entertainment is, is business oriented. I don't know if maybe you had a, a different sort of change of heart. So I guess it's safe to say that you realized you wanted to get into coaching at South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I think I knew I, I wanted to kind of cover both my bases. I really enjoyed um, public health, which was what my undergrad degree was in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I, I wanted the in-person like teaching mentoring phase of um, this career path that you didn't really get in the public health field. And yeah, like being on the other side of it for that first year. And, and you know, I was in operations with the volleyball program, but getting to have a similar, you know, start to build relationships with our players and some of that stuff was stuff that I really enjoyed. And so it was easy for me to make that switch. And I was fortunate the sport and entertainment masters also put me in a spot where I was getting to understand the business of athletics in a different way than I did as a student athlete. And I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah, definitely. So let's rewind just a little bit back to you and I, um, you were a setter there, which makes perfect sense since you know setters are typically team first players who facilitate and give way to everyone else so it's almost like the natural progression to go from setter to to coach um anyways just talk to me about your playing experience on you and you and i's volleyball team oh that's a big question um i think the big <laughs> thing about that program was it was um like just a very gritty um underdog style of program and we always kind of felt like um the goal was you know, to be a top 25 program on a regular basis. And we were underfunded in comparison to other, you know, big time, I'm saying that in quotes, oh, programs. Sure. And that was something that I always appreciated. It was like a chip on our shoulder style of volleyball. Um, and we were really competitive. You know, we were fortunate to go to the NCAA tournament three of my five years. And um, I think a lot of that was like maybe less about the physicality and the athlete and more about like the heart and the grit and the compete of that program. And I was, you know, fortunate to play for a program like that. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's go and pick back up now where we left off at uh, at South Carolina. So like you touched upon, um, you were part of the coaching staff there for, for two seasons uh, and you were doing essentially what all um, coaches who followed the traditional arc have to do, right? So first year there, you were a grad student. Um, sorry, you were a grad assistant. Uh, the next year, you were the program's director of operations. So how did that stint with the Gamecocks help jumpstart your coaching career? Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing on that is, is you need experience to get an assistant coaching job. And I was fortunate to find a place that was able to hire me as a grad assistant. And I wasn't allowed to do on-court coaching in that role, but I learned a ton about um, travel and operations and ordering gear and just kind of the budgeting and all the like um, administrative tasks that go along with, you know, running a program. And mm-hmm. I think that was an awesome step. And obviously I got the opportunity to learn from coaches that were very different than the coaching staff that I played for. Um, so I, it was just a, it was a perfect kind of stepstone into the career that I wanted to follow. Definitely. Now, after leaving South Carolina, right, you you go to South Dakota State and you become an assistant coach. Um, that was really your first ever job with the word coach in the title. So how big of an accomplishment was that? What would you consider that your your first ever coaching gig or or would you still say it was South Carolina? Yeah, it's actually really funny because no, it was definitely uh, South Dakota State was the first coaching responsibilities I had. Um, and I think the bigger piece of that that's different is the recruiting responsibilities, which is such a major part of a college coach's job. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, I learned so much about going from, you know, a power five school where we had five people on staff to um, South Dakota State. We had our head coach who actually had a baby about 10 days after I got on the job and me 
And then we had a grad assistant who was kind of a fluid position. We just had no staff. So I was really going from doing operations only to doing a lot of everything at South Dakota State. And I, I think the cool thing about that was it was feet to fire. Like at some point you just, you get thrown in and you have to kind of figure it out and you try to figure out how to do the next right thing. And I've learned a ton since those days, but I'm really thankful for the opportunity to have gotten my hands in so many things at such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. Now, from there, you moved on to Wyoming for the next four years. You were at South Dakota State for three years, then Wyoming for the next four. Um, I wouldn't say that Wyoming is necessarily known for their sports. They did give the the world Josh Allen, but he wasn't even an impressive quarterback while he was at Wyoming. So I'm not sure anyone remembers that anymore. Uh, but uh, uh, in fact, he was actually still there. Maybe he was still there while you were still an assistant yeah, there, right? 2016 was. was your last year. Yeah. So then he would have been a junior at that time or a sophomore. Well, um, he got injured as a sophomore. Um, well, he transferred in from a junior college and got injured. He like got put in as a third string quarterback and like took a dive on his first play and broke his collarbone. Don't quote ooh. me on that, but that's how I remember it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that. But uh, but I'm, I'm sure that now if he ever re-injures himself, I'll, I'll tell people like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Coach Belzong actually told me that. Uh, and uh, and I, I now I have the inside scoop anyways. So so you were there for four years. Uh, you wound up being the associate head coach there your final year. And uh, the team did a lot of winning in your tenure, averaged over 21 wins per season in your four wins. So how did your time serving with the Cowgirls help prepare you for the head coaching gig that followed? Yeah, I, I think um, I really stepped into a recruiting coordinator role there, which was very different than, you know, at South Dakota State, I was doing so much of everything that you get spread thin. And I think going back to a program that was fully staffed was um, was a really like good opportunity for me. And I got I was fortunate to have the opportunity to learn from Chad Callahan, who was a veteran head coach, had been a head coach at Georgia Southern and, uh, you know, previously before coming to Wyoming. And he was just such a great um teacher of how to run a program as much as anything else. In addition to, for me, for my responsibilities, having an opportunity to really dig hard into the recruiting piece and not feel like I also had to do all the operations things. Um, so I, my, my role was, um, I don't know, I just, I got the opportunity to expand my knowledge and my toolbox and my ability to, I don't know, be good at that phase of, you know, the responsibilities. So I think, um, that obviously was a, it was just a, it was a major stepping stone. I felt like it was kind of the place that um, put me in a position where I felt like I had the capabilities to move into a head coaching role because of the responsibilities that I had there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, 2017 rolls around and you get a call from Stony Brook University saying they want you to lead their volleyball program. Um, obviously, that's not exactly how it went, but talk to me about your hiring process, your recruiting process, I guess you could call it, and you know how it worked out between you, Sean Hillbrin, and the others involved. Yeah, um, it is actually kind of how it happened. Donna Woodruff reached out. Um, she was the, uh, you know, SWA at the time at Stony Brook, and to be honest, I wasn't fully looking um, for jobs out here, um, I think, <laughs> out on the East Coast, at least. I think um, I was happy at Wild in terms of just like lifestyle and some of that stuff. And um, I, I wasn't looking for just any job at that point. It was it was definitely looking for something that was the right fit. And um, for me, like in every conversation I had first with Donna and then with Sean, um, and then obviously coming out and interviewing the people around here, the biggest thing to me was um, just the clarity of what the 
the goal of the department was and together we transform and um, was the you know mission of the department and being able to talk about um, developing a whole student athlete and not just the volleyball piece of it and understanding that this was about the whole human and um, getting the opportunity to like have the life skills program be as strong as it was and yeah. some of those things that were showing me that they were investing in um, a holistic development model and not just you have to come here and win games. And, right. and that, those are the things that kind of piqued my interest and made me really interested in this place. Definitely. Was there a specific line that they hit you with, like a, a, a one-liner where you were like, okay, I think this is the right place for me. I, I think this is, that 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 sounds pretty good. I think I want to come here. Yeah, no, honestly, it was, it was more about um, the like, the big picture of it. I think mm -hmm. knowing that it was a place that we could focus on the big student, on the full student athlete was a big deal. But also I saw the American East as a very winnable conference and <laughs> Stony Brook Volleyball had not done that. And yeah. I felt like it was a place that we could come in and make an impact and, and win and get to the NCAA tournament. And right. um, that to me was appealing that it was kind of the best of both worlds that you can win and have this holistic model. Um, and that's, that's not very common at a lot of places. And I thought the resources were in place to allow us to achieve those goals as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, spoiler alert, you did. In fact, you did it right away. So fall 2017, you guys win the America East Conference Tournament. Uh, the next year, you guys go undefeated and win the uh, the regular season. I'm sorry, not the regular season. You win the conference tournament again. Uh, so how were you able to take over a team and just make them an instant championship team? Well, I think they were um, hungry. I, the, the reality is, as you walk in and, and you have the players that you have. And I thought we had kids that were really committed to being here and really wanted to win. And mm -hmm. we were fortunate for that. And I, I'm appreciative of the previous coaching staff for that. Um, honestly, we kind of came in and we looked at the conference and we decided we set some priorities for our team. <laughs> we said, if we do these things, we think we're going to be a good, in a good place at the end of the year. And if, if I'm speaking my truth, I did not think we were going to win it in that first year. <laughs> um, but I thought that our group stayed focused on the process. They bought into what we were saying and they didn't have to do that. So we were really fortunate that we had a group that was willing to make changes and come together and, and work their butts off to try to put themselves in the best position. And then the reality is, is we kind of caught lightning in a bottle at the end of the year. And, and that's what we try to do. You try to put yourself in a spot where you've prepared all year long to be playing your best volleyball in November. And I thought we did. And so we were really fortunate in both of those situations to um, to come home with the championship because we were playing our best volleyball at the place that we needed to be. Yeah. Timing is everything right now. A lot of teams suffer championship hangovers, right? When winning teams or losing teams, they they typically suffer a hangover of some kind. But you had your girls ready to go in 2018 and, you know, officially secured that back to back. So as the coach. How hard was it to keep them focused on the matter at hand and make sure that, you know, they don't get complacent or cocky? Yeah, I think um, it was it was kind of easy in that situation just because of the way our year in 2017 had gone. I mean, we were 500 in conference going into conference championship in 2017. And I think our kids still had a chip on their shoulder in terms of wanting to prove that they earned that and that they belong there. And um, I, I, if I recall correctly, in 2018, we had the fortune of, I don't know, not, it's not fortune, but some timing of injuries of our conference opponents, I think led us to that undefeated regular season. So that helped us a little bit. Right. Um, but I also think it gave us the confidence going into conference tournament at home in front of our rowdy, super fun crowd yeah. um, to win that championship on the second year. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that Pritchard Gym crowd. I finally went to my first volleyball game at the uh, the home opener Wednesday against the uh, against Columbia, and you know, I think you guys. I, it helps that you guys dominated and you never even trailed at any point, you know, in the match. But yeah, you guys, uh, you, you guys got them rowdy. That's uh, it, it's it's a pretty good showing over there. It's definitely a fun event. Um, yeah, I'm sad a little bit that I never saw the basketball games when they were in Pritchard because I've heard that that's a rowdy thing. So we're trying to mimic that as we move forward, get it to right. the old style basketball before the arena was fully renovated. Yeah, well, you know, you guys are doing a good job. So you guys, after winning those back to back championships, you have the rough 2019 and then COVID delays your 2020 season until the spring of 2021, which obviously, I mean, that had to be really weird. Um, we always hear the athletes perspective from how COVID made things difficult, but I haven't really had a whole lot of coaches on this podcast. So just shed some light on this for me as a coach, especially as, you know, a coach of a fall team. How did the pandemic affect you and make your job that much harder to do? In, in kind of every way. Um, yeah. I think the biggest thing that I remember from that was just the complete uncertainty of what was happening. And it was like, you didn't know what wasn't going to happen until right before it didn't happen. And so um, I just felt like we were constantly living in this state of uh, like unknown and stress because of that. And I think um, we had five freshmen that year that came in and, you know, we're about the only people in the dorms and they weren't allowed to see each other. And I think building relationships was one of the hardest things in that, in that year. I remember feeling like that fall, we were so fortunate to be in the gym at all. Um, especially as an indoor sport, <laughs> um, right. in a time that people weren't really allowed in gyms and our, I give our sports med staff a ton of credit for, you know, like pushing, not pushing the boundaries, but like making sure that everything that we could do safely, we were able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we spent so much time just trying to make volleyball joyful. <laughs> it was like, this time that you got to be together and, you know, play a little bit in a, in a way that's different than what a typical fall is where we kind of run in and you're like two weeks and you're drinking through a fire hose and you got to play. Um, this was a little slower, a little bit more fun, um, trying to find ways to build relationships. And I, I think it was just a hard year and we tried to not let the sport be too heavy. Yeah, no, it was definitely weird. That was my freshman year. You know, that was, that was my first taste of college athletics. It was not an authentic taste. And yeah, it's funny because we didn't, we not by choice, but we didn't cover you guys last year. We were just understaffed by the time the school year began. But uh, because of that, we didn't have photos of last year's team. So we had to use old photos up until we got photos last Wednesday. And some of these photos, it's it's Abby Campbell serving. She's got a mask on, you know, I'm like, well, what is this? Like, <laughs> we can't that that it's unbelievable that somebody could actually compete huffing and puffing with, you know, that's anyway so so the real fall the real 2021 season happened later that fall um you guys were all right 13 and 14 overall 500 at the end of the regular season then one and done in the playoffs um then the next year 2022 you guys debuted in the CAA which is obviously a tougher volleyball conference so what are some of the biggest differences between the America East and the CAA um, I think the big thing is the depth of the conference is um, is better. You know, like the top of the league, Towson was a like right on the edge of a top 25 team last year. Um, mm-hmm. They're just really physical and Hofstra gave them a run for their money. Right. So right. Um, 
I look at the top of the league as being, you know, really good, but also the difference in the American East is like, you could walk in and not have your best day and feel like you could still walk out with a win. Um, and the CIA, you can't do that. It's deep and you, you've got to be on every single night. And, um, I think the second thing that's totally different is just the physicality. Um, it's just a, it's a little higher league. There's a little more heat. Um, and everybody is playing with a little higher IQ because of that physicality. It's just, it's, you can't just get one big attacker to winning match for you. You've got to kind of play a full team game against a more physical defense. Sure. Now, last year was the first normal year you had had since 2019, right? Because obviously the the fall 2021 season, it came only whatever it was, four months after the spring 2021 season, something like that. So how much better was it to be back to to regular life and, and just playing volleyball like how you always had? Yeah. You know, it's funny as I felt like administratively, we finally had a chance to get our feet under us, um, both from a recruiting standpoint and um, just like we do so much prep work for the fall during the spring. Um, and we didn't get the opportunity to do that in 2021 and nobody did. I mean, it was not just us. Um, so you just kind of feel like you were spinning for a long time until finally like December of 2021. And you're like, okay, this is going to be a normal year. Let's try to get ourselves back ahead of schedule. Um, so that was pretty awesome. I think being in a conference that played more matches was also a big deal for us and just feeling like we had a regular schedule through the fall. Um, and I think it allowed our teams to our team to really grow last year because us as a coaching staff, were able to go back and invest the time into our team that we needed to invest into our team. And um, yeah, so I think it was just, it was nice to be back into normal. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Now in game, you know, year one in the CAA wasn't great. 10 and 16 overall, five and 11 in the conference, but your girls grabbed the final spot in the playoffs. Uh, so one year in one playoff berth, that's pretty good. Year two is just a day away, right? At least year two in conference play is just a day away. And they downsized the playoff field on you guys from eight to six. So, you know, the road just got a little bit narrower. What do you guys have to do starting tomorrow against Northeastern to make it back to the CAA tournament this year? Yeah, I mean, I think the good news is, is we understand the opponents differently than we did last year. So, um, you know, I, I think... Our group last year, we tried to take on like an ugly, honestly, we used like a cockroach style of, of play, just like survive, make other teams uncomfortable and, and you know, like try to find ways to like earn ugly points. And I think the reality is, is we're a better volleyball team than we were a year ago, yeah. um, but we've got to, we've got to be a little bit more consistent in our play. I think we're, we're more physical. Um, I think we're cleaner, but I think what we're lacking right now is a little bit of consistency through that. And if we can find that consistency and, and feel like we can attack our opponents like on an offense, as opposed to feeling like we're just trying to make our opponents uncomfortable. Um, I think we're in a position that we can take care of what we need to, to put ourselves in a spot where we're in conference tournament. And then, like I said, play your best volleyball in November and um, see what you can do from a championship standpoint. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see where it takes you. So like you just touched on, you got, um, you got a pretty good team. I, I like the, the roster that you've assembled. You've got a strong core of five veterans, um, obviously, you know, two of them on the outside with Leonie Koontz and Callie Moore, um, Abby Campbell in the middle, Julia Patsos manning the libero position or libero, however, however volleyball people pronounce it. And then obviously Tori Henry, essentially, you know, another coach on the floor she's setting for you. Then you've also got Abby Stanwood, who's getting better by the week. And uh, you got a couple of freshmen who look pretty good too, right? Maddie Cigna, 
um uh, Ayana Pierre-Lewis Ava Jackson looks good when we saw her we haven't seen her since I don't know if she's hurt or, or what have you but either way um how do you think this roster stacks up to the ones that you fielded in the past yeah I think the big difference on this year's team is we're deeper from a roster standpoint than we have been in the past and I think that that's why you've gotten to see multiple people on the court is mm-hmm. I trust our second and third person back in, in each position. And I think that that has been a lot of fun. It's made our, our practice gym a lot more competitive. Um, it's harder from a role of clarity standpoint um, in, the, in the conversations that we're having as a coaching staff. Um, but it, it makes it, a, it's a lot, it's just a lot more fun because if somebody's struggling, we know we can pull somebody off the bench to, to kind of fill that role. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Night in and night out. It's been fun. Okay, cool. So Talk to me a little bit more about Callie, because I mean, it's, it's no secret, right? Callie is arguably your best player. I think she's in the top five in the conference in scoring again. Pretty sure she's in the top five in kills again. Um, she's wearing a mask right now. I, I don't know if she's got a broken nose or, or what have you, or if she just thinks it's cool. But uh, but I mean, she looks great. She she looks like she's she doesn't have any uh, she's not going through that sophomore slump after winning rookie of the year last year. So what are you seeing out of Callie right now and what makes her so so dangerous? I think the the pretty impressive thing from Callie was um, she she heard that phrase sophomore slump and she decided that she did not want that. (laughs) Um, And she she wasn't going to just like leave that up to chance. She put in the work. I think I think she. she wanted to make sure that she put herself in a position where she could still be successful when teams had a scout on her and knew who she was. Um, and I think the hard thing for her is we've actually asked her to take on a different role this year. We're putting her in a, in the other outside position, which is kind of a, an uglier, grittier, it's more of a ball control role. You get more junk as an attacker instead of less like in less clean opportunities. And um, she's somebody that kind of looked at me and said, I'll do whatever you need me to do, whatever the team needs. Like it's less glamorous. That's fine. I'll do it. And and she's like happy to take on that role, which has been, um, you know, kind of a coach's dream. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the big thing on that is, is that she's showing it through her actions too. It's not just saying it, um, but she's putting in the work to make sure that she's, allowing our team to be as successful as they can be. Yeah, absolutely. Now, is does she have a broken nose or or <laughs> does she have a new style now? Hopefully we'll get rid of the mask soon. She's, um, you know, like we lovingly called there some Batman in there, but um, yeah. yeah, she should be out of the mask soon, hopefully. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, well, you know, then again, some athletes are better with the, uh, with the mask, right? I mean, there's, there's the old uh, masked LeBron thing. So, I mean, look, if Callie puts up a double, double or a triple double this weekend, I think she's got to go with the mask for the rest of the I know. Well, We did talk about it as an alter ego. I'll be honest. Like there's very few kids that I think um, can handle playing in a mask like pretty quickly without it really jamming them up. And she's right. somebody that I think um, I, I do think it's impacting like her ability to see and some of that stuff. And you wouldn't know that by watching her play. Like she's trying to figure out ways to manage it and not using it as an excuse, which is pretty awesome. Right. She's actually cut down on her errors too, um, since putting the mask on. So I don't know. So, so we'll see, but, um, yeah. So then I've only got one more question for you, coach. You've, uh, you've knocked all them out of the park so far. So what does your team and your program have to do to return to that 2017-18 glory? 
Yeah. I mean, I think we go back to what we try to do in 2017, 2018. Like you got to work the process. You got to get better. Um, you know, we try to approach every week with a focus and and something that we've got to get better at in that week. And the reality is, is um, if you get better every week and you solve the problem that's facing you that week, and then you put yourself in the spot where you've like hopefully chipped away at the, the problems or your weaknesses and built on your strengths through the year. So you're playing your best volleyball in November. The big difference here is that we've got to We've got to win more earlier in the year so that we're putting ourselves in a spot where we're in that conference championship by cutting that field to six. Um, that changes the approach just a slight bit. Um, but I think that if we continue to do what we're doing and make the growth and the progress that we're making, then we'll be in a good spot in November. Awesome. Okay, coach, that's all I had for you. You were great as I expected. Um, I feel like this was as advertised. And uh, and I thank you. Good luck tomorrow. I'll be seeing you tomorrow. I'm 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 training a, a new writer, so I'll definitely get to watch you guys play again. Um, make it a fun one. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thank you.